this is one of those messages, and you're going to get it, all of it. But uh, George, come up here. You're going to help me out, buddy. You're, you're going to be my Elisha here for a second. Give it up for George Hicks. You're going to get this story because life to a great degree for us, meaning men, life is about a plow and a mantle. It really is. There's a biblical narrative that really contextualizes and frames what I would call a prophetic or frame as a, a prophetic rubric for our journey. But it's really about a plow and a mantle. Life is about seasons where we are pushing and we're pushing through work and family and home and relationships and faith. And then all of a sudden, just like Elijah, God places a deposit upon each and every one of us that'll shift our life forevermore. So this message is for every single man in here who has been pushing the proverbial plow. If you've been pushing the plow, if you've been working the field, if you've been working hard and advancing your faith and your family and your career, and you've done it on good days and bad days, on rainy days and sunny days, on days when everyone liked you, on days when everyone hated you. If you've done it on those days where you had all the strength and on days where you had absolutely no strength at all, then in the next 25 minutes, I want you to get ready because I am believing in the name of Jesus that before this is over, you're gonna go from a plow to a mantle and you're gonna walk out of an anointing that will enable you to change your life for the glory of Jesus. With that being said, I want you to look at your neighbor, the one you do like, and tell him there's a mantle coming your way. Now tell your other neighbor, the one you barely tolerate, tell him there's a mantle coming your way. From a plow to a mantle, the subtext would be when heaven starts at hell cannot stop it. When heaven starts at hell cannot stop it. First Kings 19, 19. So Elijah went and found Elisha plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elijah was plowing with the 12 team. When Elijah went over, Elijah went over, placed his mantle upon him, and walked away. And walked away. And walked away. Walked away. The most powerful man on the planet. Let me begin by stating something that cannot and will not be denied. The most powerful person on the planet. The most powerful man on the planet is not the one with riches, the one with fame, or the one at all with fortune. The most powerful man on the planet is a man set free by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. There is a fine line between the prophetic and the pathetic. There is. And we're living arguably in some very, arguably some very pathetic times. And I am convinced and convicted that 1 Kings 18 and 19, this biblical narrative, speaks to this hour. These are days to a great degree, like the days of Ahab and the days of Jezebel, but I am believing on the positive side, more like the days of Elijah and Elisha. Ahab was a horrible king. He was a mucho malo hombre. Jezebel was his wife, and she was nasty on steroids. She hated, don't, she hated, there's a joke to put on my whole back. She hated the prophets. She persecuted the preachers, and she rejected truth. Elijah was God's chosen prophet, a man with a mantle. That Elijah saw a man named Elijah plow, pushing the plow, breaking ground, and sowing seed. When as instructed by God, he places his mantle upon Elijah, a mantle that changed his life, one that would subsequently stand recognized and embody the notion of a double portion. It's about a plow and a mantle. For every man here, it's about a plow and a mantle. 
God always provides a prophetic antidote to pathetic times. Let me explain. Ahab represents forces with access and authority attempting to prompt you and I to sacrifice integrity on the altar of expediency. Jezebel represents, que Señor la reprenda, Jezebel represents the manipulative, sexually coercive, perverse, corrupt, cultural spirit intent to kill your voice, to silence your purpose, and to construct Asherah poles in order to marginalize your promise. Simply stated in the 21st century today as it pertains to your journey, your faith, your family, and your future, we cannot deny the following, the spirit of Jezebel is alive and well, persecuting and prosecuting and decapitating the children of the cross. The spirit of Ahab is alive and well, robbing love and killing joy and destroying peace. The spirit of Baal is alive and well, demanding that truth be sacrificed on the altar of the false. But there is good news. There is good news. It's not over. Regardless of what you're facing, it's not over. Don't drink the Kool-Aid, man. It's not over. And how can I be sure? Matter of fact, tell your neighbor it's not over. Tell the other guy it's not over. Tell him and, and tell him there's a reason I know it's not over. Because of still. Still. Now ask your neighbor what still? God is still on the throne. God is still on the throne. His grace is still sufficient. His blood still works. The tomb is still empty. His spirit is still moving. His promises are still active. His name is still all-powerful. His joy is still our strength. And his mercies still endure forevermore. The most powerful spirit on the planet is not the spirit of Ahab. It's not the spirit of Jezebel. It's not the spirit that robs, kills, or destroys the most powerful spirit on the planet today. Let, let me prophetically declare by faith of a commitment to biblical truth, not out of exuberance or emotionalism, because the Bible gives me the power to state the following. The most powerful spirit alive today, again, regardless of what you're going through, the most powerful spirit alive today as it pertains to your faith and your family and your children and your children's children and your children's 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 children. The most powerful spirit alive today is none other than the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. It is the Spirit of God indeed. If you believe it, raise your right hand and repeat after me. There's a mantle coming my way. So it, 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 Elijah finds this man, of course, instructed by God. But Elisha, Elisha was not at Starbucks texting someone, drinking a camel macchiato. Who would drink that anyway? <laughs> Elisha was pushing the plow. Don't ever expect to carry the mantle if you've never pushed the plow. He was pushing the plow. He was working hard. And he would do it. We know through historical contextualization out of that biblical narrative that every single morning, Elijah, he came from a very well-to-do family in comparison to Elijah, who did not. Elijah would have to push the plow, break the ground, and sow the seed on good days and bad days. When there was a drought, Elijah nonetheless had a commitment to push the plow, break the ground, and sow the seed. In days of heavy rain, notwithstanding, he would have to push the plow, break the ground, and sow the seed. This speaks to you and I. There are men in this place where you, there, there were days you've been pushing the plow and breaking ground and sowing seed. And you've been doing it with your faith, with your family, 
with your, your, with your future, with your destiny, with your integrity. There are days that you got up in the morning and you had the strength and the vitality and the wherewithal and the fortitude. And with a great smile on your face, you pushed the plow and you broke the ground and you sowed the seed. But then there were days where you barely got up. There were days where you did not have the strength or the acumen. You did not have the inclination or the wherewithal. But nevertheless, you still got up, even on days where you thought you were not going to get up. Even the night before when you said, God, I can't do this anymore. Be it your marriage or your relationship or even your faith. Even when the night before you said, God, I blew it. I'm not going to do this. I can't handle it. The very next day, you still got up and you pushed the plow and you broke the ground and you sowed the seed. So if you've never, ever, 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 if, and you've done it on good days and bad days, on sunny days and, and on rainy days, on days of drought and days of harvest, you've been faithful in pushing the plow, breaking the ground and sowing the seed. If that's you, if you've never pushed a proverbial plow, this is not for you. Go to your phone, go on the ESPN app and look at March Madness and, and do whatever it takes. But if you've pushed the plow, if you know what it is to push the plow and break the ground and sow the seed, doing it on good days and bad days, on days where your faith could move mountains and on days where your faith could not move a cockroach. If you've been there, if you've been there, if you've been there, but you still got up and you pushed the plow and you broke the ground and you sowed the seed, then I want you to put a smile on your face because I'm coming here with a message from heaven to tell you that the next thing coming your way is nothing less than a mantle of a double portion. What God's about to place upon you, what God's about to pour upon you will change your life forevermore. Somebody shout, there's a mantle coming my way. And it's not just any mantle. Let me quickly, it is the mantle. It is the mantle of the drought, the fire, and the rain. Drought, fire, and rain. Number one, it is the mantle of drought, fire, and rain. First Kings 18, that mantle was on Elijah. That mantle was on Elijah through the drought. Of, when he prayed down the fire and unleashed the rain. It's drought, fire, and rain. That mantle was on Elijah when he prayed the drought in, and then the fire, and then unleashed the rain. Drought, fire, and rain. Repeat after me. Say drought, fire, and rain. Every man goes through droughts, spiritual, relational, financial. We've been through droughts. Let me ask you. Let me not be presumptuous. If you've been through at least one big drought in your life, one big, that's a moment where nothing is growing, nothing is moving. If you've been through at least one drought in your life, raise one hand. At least one, be it in your family, your marriage, your relationships, your finances, your integrity. If you've been through a couple of major droughts, raise both hands. Well, help is Jesus. <laughs> if you've been through so many you lost count, raise both hands and a foot. <laughs> if, if you've been through so many that if I Google the word drought, your Instagram account shows up. <laughs> but here you are. I mean, you've been through that, but here you are. No, really, here you are. No, no, I really mean it, like, here you are. Like, like you survived it. You're here. That, that's nothing to, you're here. That's something worthy of celebrating. You know why you're here? You're not here because you perfectly held on to God. You are here because God perfectly held on to you. You're here. Not because your faith was so efficient. You are here because his grace is always sufficient. You're here. We all go through droughts. 
We all, but that mantle was on him throughout the course of the drought. By the way, the, the biblical chronological order is drought, fire, rain. Drought, fire, rain. Drought, fire, rain. That's the order, the pecking order, 1 Kings 18. Drought, fire, rain. Because some people want to jump from the drought to the rain without ever going through the fire. And the fire is a critical element in our journey from the plow to the mantle. Why? Because the fire is the stage where it's, the theological term would be sanctification, would be the time, and it's immediate and it's also continual. It is where the, where the Spirit of God begins to remove elements, actions, words, deeds, and thoughts, elements, and even on occasion, even people from our lives that would hinder the very fulfillment of his purpose and destiny for us. So we all go through a fire season likewise, where, where God removes things, and it's uncomfortable. It's not the kind of fire that goes like, woo, it's the kind of fire that goes like, oh. So it's uncomfortable, but I have good news. If you've been through the drought, and you've been through the fire, get ready, because the next thing coming your way is nothing less than abundant rain. Here comes the rain. Here comes the rain, Ezekiel 34, 26, in the proper season. I will send the showers they need. They will be showers of blessing. Little reminder, those that prayed with you in the drought deserve to dance with you in the rain. Remember that. Second, it is the mantle of only God. Somebody say, only God. 1 Kings 18, 24, Elijah parenthetically declares, only God. The mantle spoke to the truth of only God. There are things that only God can do, that only God can make something out of nothing, Genesis chapter 1. Only God can make a way where there is no way, Isaiah chapter 43. Only God can restore things like the damage never happened, Luke chapter 22, verse 51. There are things that only God can do. Some of us are here because only God. Some of us understand that the only, some of us are here when, when the explanation, how in the world did you make it? The only explanation we possibly, the only viable and sustainable explanation is the fact that only God. We're only here by the grace of God. Because in reality, some of us shouldn't even be here right now. Some of us should not be here right now. Jezebel declared what Jezebel represents, spiritually speaking, if you look at the enemy's plan, the enemy's plan, hell's plan for your life, the devil never planned for you to be here today. The enemy's plan was for on this day for many of us to be either in a mental institution, hospitalized, getting drunk early in the morning, or recovering from getting drunk last night, getting stoned, shacking up with someone we shouldn't be shacking up with. And if I have to define shacking up, that has nothing to do with the shack, the recent movie. It's a different type of shacking up. But some of us should be in jail right now. Matter of fact, according to the devil's plans, I kid you not, some of us should be underground right now. But here we are in the year of our Lord, 2017, and guess what? We are not in jail. We're not in a hospital room. We're not somewhere else. We are here at Gateway declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord because the plans of God and the glory of God and the destiny of God and the grace of God and the word of God is greater than anything. Somebody shout, only God. Only God. Only God. We're here because of only God. And, and oh boy, are there any questions? Oh, God, God, God. Let me know. Only God can make something. It's only God. And 
And there's only God, only God, only God, only God. And he says, number three, it is the mantle of when heaven starts and hell cannot stop it. What does that mean? This is my favorite part of the story. It's 1 Kings 19, 2 verses, 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11. It's, you have to juxtapose the verses and do a comparative analysis of what takes place. Put it again. Let's place it again. Elisha was plowing, pushing the plow. Elijah, the man with the mantle, sees him plowing, places his mantle upon him, which is an illustration. It's symbolic of authority, of access, an assignment, anointing from heaven. That's what it represents. And walks away. And the funny thing is that there was a woman named Jezebel. And in Jezebel, again, that, that, that nasty woman on steroids. And that woman hated Elijah, the man with the mantle, because of what he carried. And there was a moment back in 1 Kings 18 when Elijah, the man with the mantle, confronted these false prophets, a bunch of prophet liars. <laughs> prophet liars. It's a fine line between the prophetic and the pathetic. Prophet liars. And, and, and then there was this, and then there's, and then there's, and, and barbecue pit, and then over. What are you saying? Just read 1 Kings 18, because we don't have time. This is abbreviated version. So, so Jezebel finds out her husband, who was a gossiper, comes out and says, hey, honey, look, here's the scoop, 1 Kings 19. He says, hey, by the way, you know your, your, your prophetic team, your dancing team, your, your team, your team of, well, we, we were confronted, the man with the mantle up there on the mountaintop, and we did, we cut ourselves, we danced, we did the whole thing, we did the whole nine yards, and, 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 but, and nothing, ha and nothing happened, but then he prayed with his man, and then all, fuego, boom, barbecue, done, chop suey, over. Which, what is that? What did you just say, Ahab? You need a new team. The life insurance policy for all of them, without exception, just kicked in. <laughs> I kid you not, Jezebel says this. Now I'm going to speak verbatim. She responds and says, I swear by my gods, in 24 hours, the man with the mantle will be dead. She prophesied. Because she, she, she thought she, she prophesied. Let me explain what happens. 24 hours passed by. He did not die. 48 hours passed, he did not die. 72 hours passed, he did not die. 96 hours passed, he did not die. In full disclosure, 2,800 years have passed since Jezebel prophesied. Elijah, the man with the mantle, has yet to die. Y'all didn't hear that. He's just one of a couple of people who never saw that. He never died. He never, she said, he's going to die in 24 hours. 2,800 years later, that man is still smiling, and he has yet to die. Why? Because when heaven starts it, hell cannot stop it. When God says, here it is. Because what you carry is greater. What you carry is greater than what you go through. What God has placed upon you is greater than what the devil has placed in front of you. 
what, what Satan declares will never nullify what Jesus already did. I'm here to tell you in the name of Jesus, oh boy, that God's purpose and destiny for your life cannot and will not be stopped. Elijah defied Jezebel's words, Satan's plans. Do you know how many times the enemy declared that you were done? Do you know how many times the enemy posted a photo of you on his Instagram account only to have to remove it because he said you were done and then the next day you got right back up again? Do you understand how many times? Because when heaven starts, how many times has the enemy showed up to try to kill your dream and your destiny and your family and your faith and your future? Again, it's, it's a, why are you here? Why are you here? Because of only God. Why are you still alive? Because of the Christ mantle, the same spirit. You're not here because of your affable personality. You're not here because of your introverted or extroverted. Definitely not because you're perverted. You're not here. You're not here because you, you are a Rangers fan or an Astros fan or you're a Cowboys fan or a Texan fan. You're not here. You are here because this, you are here. Put a smile on your face because you are here because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that lives inside of you. Romans 8, 11. Matter of fact, your testimony is proof that the devil is a liar. It really is. God's purpose will be fulfilled in your life. Your family will be saved, and your latter glory will be greater than the former. Simply stated. Now, I need to explain something to you real quick. I received, an, let me tell you how this lines up. This full disclosure, true story, and I've been telling it recently because allowed, I'm allowed to say it now. Uh, there's reasons for that. So I received this invitation, the invitation that, that was referenced in my introduction. So indeed, I've served as an advisor to three presidents beginning with George W. And now by the grace of God, I understand it's a God thing, only God, it has nothing to do with me, it's just God. And then President Obama and his fatherhood task force and, and then with now the new president, President Trump. But I received an invitation <clears throat> right about December and, and before Christmas. And it was, Reverend Rodriguez, we would like you to participate in the president's swearing in ceremony. Now, I immediately went to my executive committee which is my wife and three kids. <laughs> no, really, that's my executive committee. I'm not making that up. That really is. That's, that's who I went to. <clears throat> and I sat down with my wife and kids said, look, this is the invitation. And again, the thing is, that I'm gonna, full disclosure, right? We're being, transparency is everything. I pastor a multi-ethnic church. My church is 40% Anglo, 40% African-American, 20% Latino and Asian. So, and I have a Spanish campus alone, number of campuses, but that one, my major campus is, that's our construct. So at the same time, I, the political divide, we do Lamb's agenda in our church. We do righteousness and justice. We have our Christian values we'll never sacrifice, but we don't do political affiliation. So to, that, that's a lot of wording to say, I didn't want to be unemployed. <laughs> so it's just a lot to say that, right? Just, I'm just keeping it real. Uh, so, but I sat down with my wife and kids and I went to it. And, they, and my wife, who was there when I was 14 years old, in an Assembly of God church in Pennsylvania, when, 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 when a man came over from Teen Challenge and called me out of the crowd by my first name without ever meeting me and, and said, and parenthetically speaking, you, and, but specifically about this part, you're gonna pray over presidents. I'm gonna give you access to the highest corridors of power. I'm gonna give you access to presidents and you will be, and I'm 14 years old. I'm a nerdy math kid from, from Pennsylvania. I, I was agnostic about what I saw at church. I, I doubted much of what I saw at church. And I'm going, what? So my wife said, listen, you know, this is, this is 
this is just a fulfillment of God's promise in your life. So my kids all agreed. So, and how did I know it was God? True story. I knew it was God because when I called back the inaugural committee, and I can share this I, now, I called back because I participated in other ceremonies before with other presidents where they would script what you would say or read. And I, I don't blame them. They want to vet it to make sure you don't say anything outrageous. And yeah, I mean, I get that, right? So we, we basically become, to a great degree, mouthpieces for something that's already coordinated and choreographed somewhere else. So I thought it was the same deal. So I called up and said, quote, you know, so I, I'm, I'm inclined to accept, and after I prayed and spoke to the executive committee, I'm inclined to accept, what do you want me to share? And they went, what do we want you to share? No, Reverend. We kid you not, this is the phrase. We want you to share whatever the spirit places in your heart to share. Wow. Wow. I looked at my wife and said, hey, this is definitely God. So, so, so we prayed and we fasted. We had intercessors. And this is a true story. I got a couple of minutes here. So here's how it happens. So I'm about to go up. I wish you would see the YouTube video. So I'm right behind the president. And I don't mean behind like three rows down when you say like behind in the vicinity thereof. No. I mean, I'm literally behind President Bush and Laura and, and Laura Bush, the first, and I'm behind here. It's Bill and Hillary, and then President Obama and, Lady, and First Lady Michelle over there. Uh, President Trump was on the other side. Um, um, I, I, I was seated right next to... Um, I, I, he's no longer part of the administration. Anyway, parts of the story. It's, okay, so anyway, it's short-lived. But anyway, that's another story for another day. So any anyway, Supreme Court's here. So I'm about to go up, I kid you not, and I get this, this Facebook, I had my phone on, and we all did, all around, even the Supreme Court justices, they were all protocols. I said, turn off the phones, everybody had their phones out. So I had my phone out, and, then, and my, my daughter texts me and says, Dad, close your mouth, because the, the, the camera was pointing at me, and, and I, I, I'm not making that up. And I was like this, because I thought the only cameras were like stage center, but I was, the camera was from the right side, and I was like, you know, like when you're like overwhelmed, you're like, and I was like, and I'm, God is my witness. I was like, like, I'm looking at everything going on, going like, and my daughter texts us, shut your mouth. And I went, excuse me? No, I mean like physically, literally, like shut your, my, close your mouth, dad. It's, so here it is, I get this message from Facebook. This woman, sends me a message, I've never met her, sends me a message, and somehow she inboxed from my personal to direct, I don't know how she got it, the enemy's a liar, and, and the and God is my witness, the message is this, right there, right before, right before I go up, the message was, you need to run out of there right now, that place is about to blow up, and, and, and we, we've been, we've been, we believe, we've been praying, and we think something horrific is about to take place, so you need to come out of there and run out right before I'm about to speak to over 1 billion people. I get this message of run, hide, and flee with some spiritual nuances because that's what Jezebel does. There's an attempt to prompt us to abandon the mantle. And by the way, if the devil has shown up recently in your life, it's only, it only means that you are right before the greatest season of your life and you're about to... I'm going to say that one more time. If hell has risen to shut you down, but put a smile on your face, it only means you're about to see the glory of God like you've never seen it before. So here it is. So here it is. She wrote to me, and here's how my response was this. Here's what I did. I had a choice. Panic, text my wife, tell someone next to me, but I didn't. I did what, what I have the power to do via the conduit of Facebook. You know what I did? I blocked her. 
because we have the power not through Facebook Jesus said if I give you the power whatsoever you bind you block you forbid on earth shall be bound and blocked and forbidden in heaven when hell When your sons and daughters ask you, somewhere down the road, did anything ever come up to try to take away your dream and your purpose and your God-given assignment? Say, absolutely. What did you do, Dad? I blocked it. Because the transition from a plow to a mantle prompts you to do nothing less than let go. There's a season to push the plow. There's a season to carry the mantle. When you will not be defined by what you push, you will be defined by what you carry. So rise up with this mantle. You will not, you will not tolerate Ahab or Jezebel. You will not sacrifice truth on the altar of political expediency. You will not permit Asherah poles to be constructed around your life or your family or your children or your integrity or your destiny. With this mantle, you will be light. With this mantle, you will be salt. With this mantle, you will live a holy, healed, healthy, happy, humble life. With this mantle, you will quench the thirst, feed the hungry, and welcome the stranger. With this mantle, you will preach the word in and out of season. With this mantle, you will lay hands on the sick. You will Find demons, rebuke devils with this mantle. You and I, we will change the world. God bless you. God keep you.